With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this new edition of the Sun Solar Panel. We appreciate you joining us. I know it's a Sunday morning. People have other things to do on Sunday mornings. Uh, so the fact that you guys are here, I really, really appreciate it. How are you doing this morning, Zona? Not too bad. Uh, 16 in a row. I wasn't sure if we are going to be able to keep talking about this win streak uh, last week. So happy to keep it rolling. And uh, that's 15 wins in 26 days, which is just insane. Um, I, I just It's hard to put in words at this point. It really is. It really is crazy. Folks, for joining us here, thank you for joining us. You are listening to the Solar Panel, a Phoenix Suns show. We are talking about the uh, 17 and 3 Phoenix Suns here today. My name is Dave King. I'm joined by Zona Hoops, otherwise known as Brandon Duenas. And we are broadcasting this on a Sunday morning. We usually do Saturday mornings, but this time it's Sunday morning. I was out of town for a few days with in-laws for Thanksgiving. And uh, now I'm back, happy to be back and happy to talk about this Suns team. This is just some, some crazy stuff going on. Uh, the Suns are 16 and 0. Uh, do you know what the longest win streak in Phoenix Suns franchise history is, Brandon? Yep. 17 in a row by uh, Brooklyn's own head coach, Steve Nash, uh, leading the charge back in the day. So that was, that was a really fun team. And I think the craziest part about that team was, uh, I believe they had a 15 game win streak. I, I'm not right sure after, was, yeah, right after the, yeah. Uh, 17. So that that's insane to really think about. Started with 17, then they lost uh, two out of three, and then they won 15 straight. So this team has a long way to go. Do you also, Brandon? Do you know? How, <clears throat> excuse me. How many teams? How many times in NBA history? that uh, teams have won more than 16 games in a row? Uh, I'll just take a random guess, probably in that 15 to 20 range. I'll just go with uh, I'll just go with 16. Do you know when the most recent one was? I'd say Golden State, right? 20. Uh, not the most recent, but certainly the longest in recent history was Golden State at 28. You're right there. So this is the uh, the Suns are tied for the 24th longest win streak in NBA history. But in the last decade, only four teams have done more than 16 game win streak. 
And our own Chris Paul has been the uh, point guard for two of those teams. You got the Clippers back in 2012, and you have the Houston Rockets back in 2018. Uh, they both won 17 games. Then you're right, the Milwaukee Bucks. They won. Uh, well, you're right about the Golden State Warriors winning the most, but Milwaukee Bucks were next at 19 straight back in 2019. And then the Golden State Warriors, they were 20. Uh, they were 28 games in a row back in 2015, 2016. That's some pretty incredible runs. Uh, that's some pretty yeah. incredible runs for sure. No, that's crazy. Uh, I, I completely forgot about the Bucks win streak too. So, um, but yeah, no surprise that Chris Paul and the Rockets are also on that list. Yeah, Chris Paul twice has won 17 games in a row. Neither team made the finals because, as we know, Chris Paul's only trip to the NBA Finals was this past year with the Phoenix Suns. So you can probably guess that he's not as impressed with a 16-game streak as as we are uh, on one hand because it, it, he's won 17 in a row. And on another hand, because he knows it doesn't guarantee anything. And a quote he had uh, just last night about this was that it would be nice. <clears throat> excuse me. It would be nice to beat his um, personal record of 17-game win streaks by winning a couple of games this week. Uh, but also is um, uh, obviously our goal is to win a championship. But if you don't enjoy the small victories throughout the season, then what are you doing more than anything? We are having fun. So he's just enjoying it. He's not putting any extra credit, any extra um, things on the 16 game win streak than just enjoying regular season run. And um, you know, just setting themselves up and getting better day to day. Yeah, and I think the one thing that's kind of nice about this win streak is like it's giving them a reason to to stay locked in and, and play for like ultimately like meaningless regular season games, especially for a team that's fresh off a finals run. There's kind of going to be that hangover usually early on in the season. But I think that now that they have this number stacked so high, they're just like paying attention to every detail. And it's as close as you're going to get to like a playoff game in, in November with how locked in they are so uh, hopefully they can keep it uh rolling but uh yeah these these next few games should be tough the next few games should be tough we'll talk about the upcoming games a little bit later in the show the first thing we want to do is make sure that we give a, uh, a lot of credit to the current streak uh the players are just taking a day-to-day -day. they're having fun i think it's pretty impressive that the last two games of this streak were in new york uh, on the road on back-to-backs and the Suns and the the toughest team that the Suns had to play was on the second game of back-to-back -back on the road in New York, uh, which was Saturday night. And they just waxed the uh, Brooklyn Nets. I almost said New Jersey Nets, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and who would you say on Saturday night against the Brooklyn Nets, who would you say was the Suns' best player? It's crazy to say anyone other than Devin Booker, but it has to be Mikel Bridges. I mean, the way he impacted the game, seven steals, um, doing all the little things. And I think he was a major reason they jumped out to that huge lead, which, you know, you, you're going to need that against a team like Brooklyn with how quick they can get back into a game. Like, you have to give yourself some breathing room. So I thought the way he guarded James Harden, like, you could tell Harden was just annoyed the entire game, which. Uh, you know, it's not an easy thing to do what Mikel did, but, uh, you know, they, they also made Kevin Durant work for 
for his points. I mean, he had 39, um, but he had to work for him. Like Durant's going to get his no matter what. So um, I just thought the way Mikel was all over the place was incredible and probably the best defensive performance we've seen from him, which is saying a lot. Yeah. What was proved in last year's playoffs is that you, you can't win uh, for, by the nets anyway, but you can't win in the playoffs with only one great player scoring all your points. Right. Uh, so the um, God, it's escaping me all of a sudden who the nets lose to in the playoffs last year. Was it the bucks? Bucks, or was yeah. it, the, it was the bucks, right? Yep. Yeah. And the bucks bucks knocked the nets out um, with Durant averaging like 40 points in the series, but they held everybody else down and made sure nobody else uh, just killed them. Um, in the, in that series. And so last night on Saturday night, in fact, I didn't think Durant played very well, like you said, uh, but he still finished with 39 points yet. Nobody else on the team had a good game. James Harden is, is spending the entire season uh, complaining about the reps when he has made his career, he's made his MVP candidacy on the fact that he can bait reps into calling fouls on his behalf when he's not even trying to do anything but draw the foul. And now, let's talk about Devin Booker, who scored 32 without a single free throw the game before that. And people right. early in the year were trying to say that Booker's like little slump or like struggles are due to the new rules, which is such BS because he was like in the 20s and free throw attempts per game last year. So like Booker's never been about, you know, foul baiting or anything like that. So I just had to throw that in there. Hey, we want to thank you. Yes, we want to welcome the unknown. We have a few people on here who are able to join our show for the first time in a while because of their work schedules, because we're doing this on a Sunday morning. Looks like we're going to have a few extra people or a few different people anyway, because uh, there's certainly some people who can't make Sunday who usually do Saturday. So thanks for joining us, the unknown. We appreciate having you back. Uh, yeah, so the, um, the, the whole Devin Booker not getting, he's not complaining about not getting foul calls. He's just not getting them. He was averaging seven, eight free throws a game, and this year he's down. Um, <clears throat> but he's not complaining about him. He just wants to win games. James Harden is winning games. His team is 12 and two in their last 14 before playing the Suns, so 12 and three in their last 15. And yet he's still spending time complaining about the refs. Um, that's to me, that's an attitude difference. Devin Booker only cares about the end result of the game. And he does whatever it takes to get to that end result. Other players care more about how they got there, what they did, what they scored, what they got um, credit for in the game. And I think that does spell the that does outline a bit of a difference uh, between uh, James Harden and Devin Booker um, as far as attitude. Yeah, for sure. And as soon as Booker said that he cut his Thanksgiving short or cut the wine short or whatever it was, that quote. Um, I knew that Brooklyn was in for it because whenever he's locked in and they want to win like that, like it goes back to what I said earlier, just about them trying to protect this win streak. I think, you know, this is something to take pride in and go into like one of the biggest stages in, in basketball in Madison Square Garden, then up against the Nets, you know, a title contender. It's it's like this is your chance to kind of make a statement. And I think they did. They went out there and showed like, everyone just kind of writ, uh, wrote the Suns off saying like this Brooklyn team's going to end the streak or the Knicks are going to end the streak. And they went in and uh, dominated both teams from start to finish. So uh, to me, this is just a huge statement win. And and obviously Tuesday against the Warriors is going to be that much more of a statement win if they can get it. But uh, definitely impressive back to back. 
Yeah, definitely impressive. Those were the two toughest games of the of the streak, basically, uh, because you're in New York, like like we were saying. So definitely, and, and the Suns, look, last year, this same team, with an even slightly worse bench, in my opinion, this same team went in and had the best road record in the league, had the best record against winning teams in the league, had the best record against playoff teams in the league, which is almost the same, had the best record against the top 10 teams in the league. They had all this proof that they were a good team. And yet we're still like thinking, or not we, but people around the country are still like thinking, well, once they get some tough competition, they'll fold. No, they made it through the final to the finals. They had the second most wins in the playoffs last year. Um, so this team, I, I actually think last year was the NBA's best chance to knock off the Suns because they didn't know what they had. They didn't know how yet that they could finish every single game, win every single game. They were also best in the clutch, one of the best in the clutch last year. And they had, they were a 25 and 12 record in the clutch last year. Um, they didn't know what they had last year. They didn't know what was going to win playoff series. They didn't know what was going to win regular season games. They had to prove it to themselves. This year, they've already proven it. And they're showing right now that all they got to do is focus in the fourth quarter. Some of these wins have been won in the fourth quarter. Some have been won in the first quarter. Uh, some have been won in the third. They're winning in all the different ways that a team needs to win. But what's been better, their defense or the offense? What do you think? I think the defense personally, just because I think that's kind of what opens up their offense. Like Monty's talked about it a lot, just how, you know, getting stops and turning that into, you know, easy buckets in transition or, or, you know, just getting numbers, uh, advancing the ball, stuff like that. And Chris Ball has been a huge part of that. I think picking up the pace because, you know, they're, they're not going to continue to to be successful if they keep paying, playing at a snail's pay, like pace offensively, which sometimes you would do and you get caught, you know, dribbling the ball a bit too much but, but yeah i think defensively whenever they're on and clicking it's uh it's just so tough to stop them because i mean they didn't score for what was it almost like six minutes last night and uh towards the end of the second half or second quarter and they still maintained a 10 plus point lead heading into halftime and a lot of that has to yeah. do with their defense so um you know whenever they have those dry spells offensively it's just the defense that bails them out so that's the difference between the, the seven seconds or less uh, team in this team, I think, is just, you know, their defense could win them games. Um, so then that, that's what makes them so dangerous. You know, they started eight and eight last year and still had, you know, the best road record and, and all those, you know, accolades you're talking about earlier. And this year they're, you know, the same 20 games are, you know, 17 and, and three. So just, you know, could be a very special uh, season record wise if they continue this ridiculous pace. Yeah, I'm definitely going to say the defense is better. Uh, overall, the defense is uh, second in the league, uh, especially during this streak. The offense looks good and can do whatever it wants, whenever it wants. However, they haven't been making all their threes. Uh, in fact, Jay Crowder is around 30% on threes, and a couple of other guys are down as well. Devin Booker has been great on threes. Since he turned 25 years old, okay, Devin Booker decided to give himself a birthday present. Since he turned 25 years old, how, what's his three-point percentage, do you think, Brandon? Um, since he turned 25? Yeah. 40-something. That was October 30th, so that was, 20, that was uh, 15 games ago. Okay. 16 games. Uh, I would say like probably 45, 46, maybe closer Feels to Feels like it, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it's, it feels like it. And he's going through a stretch in the last two weeks where it is around 50%. Uh, but overall, since he turned 25 years old, his Christmas present to himself is to become a 43% three-point shooter. The guy, and, and it looks like to me, like his like his uh, his release is a little bit different. His motion's a little bit different. It seemed like he was overthinking it in recent seasons when he was down in the 33 to 34% range. Um, his his shot is so pure inside the three point line, but once he got behind the three point line, it looked like he was taking a bit of a different shot. Now, uh, when he shoots his threes, he looks a lot more in motion, a lot more in control, a lot more knowing what he's doing. I don't know if he's been practicing or if he just had a mental click or what, or just turning twenty five. You know, some of us just get better at things when we turn when we get older, and he's suddenly in the last month been a forty three percent three point shooter. The team. Gave him a winning streak for his birthday. The Suns are 16-0 since his birthday. They were 1-3 when Devin, woke up, Devin Booker woke up on birthday morning, turning 25. They're 16-0 since. So that was nice of the team to give him a nice winning streak and nice of himself to give himself a 43% three-point shot. Yeah, and he's 41% on the season now from three. And, you know, if this shooting – I think the shooting could is definitely, you know, unlike some players where it's like you're not sure if the shooting's real, it's like – Booker came into the league as as a shooter, and now that there's a little bit less pressure and like he's not taking as crazy of shots all the time, because I think that was the one thing about his three point percent in the, in the past. Uh, he took so many tough contested like pull up threes and stuff like that, and, and like last night he was four for six, and his two misses, one of them was you know a two for one, which you know he never makes, uh, and then the other the second one was like uh, when the quarter was ending, so he just kind of jacked up like a a near half court shot. So, <laughs> you know, he's going well, if he makes a two for one, right? Yeah. And for people who aren't following, what that means is that there's about 30 seconds left in a half or something like that. And Devin Booker decides he's going to take a quick, long three to try to get the Suns um, one more possession after that before halftime or before the end of the quarter or whatever. And Booker is famous for just pulling up and and throwing the, you know, tossing out that three and clanking it every single time. I think the only time he like makes it over is if the foot is on the line. It's the only time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he even commented on that uh, last week in a, in a post game. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, whenever my foot's on the line, I think I'm a thousand percent shooter. <laughs> we need to see if we can get up like a, a half size down in a shoe size or something like that. Just, you know, take that, that extra, you know, a little well, bit off yeah. the, the three-point line. Because it always hey, seems at like least, uh, at least he hasn't lost a playoff series with his, his shoe being a half a half size too big, like uh KD. So uh so we'll oh, we'll, yeah. we'll that, accept that was rough. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Oh man. Um yeah, so Devin Booker playing really well, yet within himself. He's still only averaging 25 points, 24.5 points during this 16 and 0 run. But he's doing so much with it. He and Chris Paul are first and second in the league to assist to pass ratio, which means uh, they get more assists on every pass they they make than anyone else in the league. That's pretty incredible. They're not just passing to pass. The Suns, in fact, are only mid-pack on number of passes per game when it looks like they're passing all the time. They're only number of pack in mid-passes per game, uh, uh, mid-pack in passes per game. But uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are the top two in assists per pass. Yeah, and they're both all-star locks already. I know it's only 20 games in, but you look at the West and you can make a case. Booker's been 
you know, all NBA good. Like there's yeah. uh, not too many guards that have been better than him outside of Steph at this point. So uh, I wouldn't be shocking to see Book and Steph as the starting backcourt for the West um, with Chris Paul as, you know, the highest voted reserve. Uh, yeah. You know, just... My only, yeah, I, I, I just don't know if the fans are going to pick up yet on voting Devin Booker in. Maybe they will. Maybe it's the, it's the Kendall general, get him the fan vote. I'm not really sure. Um, another year of them together with cute little pictures all over Instagram and all that. Maybe, but I, I kind of think it's just going to be Steph and, and, oh yeah, who will be the other starter in the West? Willard's been struggling. Um, there's no one that's really stepped up. Like Paul George will probably be a wing. I think he deserves a start as a forward. Um, to me right now, it looks pretty clear, like Steph, Book, Paul George, and then like Kat and Jokic is like the, the bigs. I think those are like the clear five. If you're if we're going straight off production, like you can't really argue that, but, but that's as far not as what the fan vote. Do you think it's gonna be I mean, fan vote yeah, that's that's a tough is part. always who's been on TV the most, right? And you've got Steph obviously is gonna get one of the fan vote starts at guard. And I suppose I guess Luca Le- comes in at guard. LeBron will also just get in you know, by default, just reputation. So let's take a quick break and talk about our friends over at DraftKings. The NHL season is underway and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest on basketball, football, UFC, whatever, whatever sport you want, whatever there's betting on, you can do it. You can win cash prizes, big cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, that's TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older if you're in New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah. So uh, maybe they won't be starters, but I, I, I do th- I do agree with you that they're all-star locks this year. Um, I think the days of Devin Booker being um, dissed by the coaches, because as, as folks, if you if you all remember, and this is we're going to be talking about this off and on for the next couple of months, but if you all remember, um, James is in the East now, though. Uh, if you're talking about, oh, LeBron James, yeah, that's a forward. But as far as uh, starting guards, sorry, I was reacting to Thomas Herndon's comment. Um, anyway, where was I? Yeah, so the fans are 50% of the deciding vote for starters in the All-Star game. And then coaches are the 100% deciding vote on reserves for the All-Star game. And both the last two years, the coaches, the fans didn't pick Booker because the Suns weren't on TV enough. And then the coaches didn't pick Booker for one re- what, whatever reason. Uh, most of my investigation, asking other coaches around the league, asking executives around the league, it's that the coaches never have had to scheme against Booker in a high-pressure game before. And so they didn't, you know, they don't pick him as an all-star because they didn't have to stay up at night trying to beat him in a playoff series. 
Now Booker went all the way to the finals in his first playoff chance. And the Suns were best against the teams, the league's best teams last year and this year again. So this year, I think the coaches are going to vote Booker in because they finally had to start scheming against him to win important games that they needed to win. That's why I think Booker now is going to be a lock like Damian Lillard has been for the past decade. Booker's going to now start being a lock for the All-Star game. Yeah, and there's no way he's not going to make it. I mean, the Suns are doing what they're doing, and he's been a huge reason why. And obviously, like you said, the finals run. Like To me, the only thing that would be shocking is if he wasn't starting at this point, but it also would be a little bit just because of the, you know, there's a lot of factors outside of his control. But yeah, like you said, we need to get the, the Jenners and the Kardashians to, you know, start a little, their little fan club, get them voting or something. Uh, that's, that's, I don't know. I'm not, um, <laughs> I'm definitely, my kids are grown up now, so they're not sitting at home watching the Kardashians every Saturday anymore. Um, so I have no idea is, is that anyway, is that still going? And has Devin Booker made an appearance like Lamar Odom used to back in the, the Chloe days? I'm not the person to ask for that. I have no You're idea. Not, either. <laughs> uh, no clue. I have a feeling Devin Booker is not making too many appearances, even if it is still a big thing, because uh, he's such a quiet guy. It's funny that yeah. that he's he's paired up with Kendall Jenner, but he's such a quiet guy. So we'll see. Um, <clears throat> all right. So we think Devin Booker is a lock for All Star. Chris Paul's a lock for all-star. In fact, he might be top five in MVP voting again. And I think we would all agree that he is like when, when the Suns are kind of going down, um, down the, uh, down a bad path in some of these games, Chris Paul just decides even just like Saturday night, Chris Paul just decided he was going to make the last two shots of the half to put the Suns back up by 10 when Brooklyn had cut it to five right before halftime. Uh, Chris Paul has just been doing that and he's continuing to do that. And he's got all of his accolades. He's the only player in league history, um, I believe, with, uh, what is it, 20,000 points, 10,000 no, 10, assists, and his steals numbers as far as, you know, he's, he's, the, only li- he's the only guy in league history with his combination of, of points, uh, assists, and steals. It's yeah, just crazy. No, he's been insane, especially when you think about his age and what they're coming off of as far as, you know, a short turnaround for this season. And he's, he looks just as good as ever. So I think, you know, he's been awesome. And just speaking of like awards and voting and stuff, like Mikel Bridges deserves to, he should be a first team all defense lock. Um, and I think Suns fans should just start saying he should win defensive player of the year, even though it's not going to happen because wings never win it. It's always a big, but start like beating that drum just so whenever he finishes, you know, on the first team all defense, like we'll, we'll take that, uh, we'll concede that loss. But uh, yeah, I think he's just been so dynamic defensively just bothering the best player night in night out and he he deserves to get more recognition and i think we're starting to see some just on a national level just uh, especially what he's he's done in the, the last two games yeah definitely uh you're, we're talking about mikhail now um the team is starting to chant first team whenever he does something really good on the court <clears throat> because it's an really absolute crime that he didn't team. make he didn't make uh second team last year and Kawhi got yeah, it over the 11th him on most votes. Yeah, Kawhi got it over him on reputation, and uh, you know Thibel playing like less than 20 minutes a game off the bench oh, got God. it, which is ridiculous. And look, Thibel's an amazing defender, but you can't give it to someone that's p- playing like 20 minutes a game. Like that's especially when you compare it to what Bridges 
you know, his role is for how long he does it for, like throughout the game, it's, it's so much more valuable in my opinion, but you know, that between that and the Monty uh, losing to Thibs for coach of the year, like I have zero faith in the voters. Just to tie these uh, three players together that we've been talking about, or at least two of the three players, uh, Mikel Bridges had a career high seven steals on Saturday night against the Nets, six in the first half alone. And yet that is not um, all by himself the most steals in a game this year that's only 20 games old. Who else has seven steals in a game? Was that TJ McConnell? That was this year? Or no, last? I mean, that was last Suns, year, right? For the Suns. Oh, for the Who Suns. Who else for the Suns even has seven steals in a game in only the first 20 games of the year? Oh, Chris Paul. Yep. I, I don't know why I completely forgot about that. <laughs> Chris Paul. He's I been... mean, Mikel can't even brag in the in the locker room about his seven steals because Chris Paul's like, dude, I'm almost 37. <laughs> and I got yeah. seven steals. <laughs> I was hoping for the unconventional double-double last night from Mikel, but maybe another night. I know, because he had six steals in the first half alone. That would have yeah. been incredible. Yeah, no, guys like TJ McConnell have gotten 10. He's got they TJ McConnell, I think, recorded last year a, a triple double with steals as one of the categories. Um, Kevin for the Suns, Kevin Johnson in history, back way back when, had a triple double with 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 steals as one of the categories. Kevin Johnson, one of the best point guards of his generation back in the 90s. Um, yeah, no, that was that was great. But CP. CP3, he's got himself uh, seven steals in the game already this year at 36 years old. That guy has just been – he's just I, – I really, really hope he's healthy this year in the playoffs. I don't know what it's going to take to get him healthy in the playoffs. I don't know what the Suns can do. I think it's just going to be luck of the draw. I think uh, there's nothing they can do to help him be more healthy in the playoffs than he was last year. They can just hope, cross their fingers, because if he can be himself – you know he's – you know Chris Paul's focused – when he's dribbling aggressively, you know, when he's slamming that ball down, when he's just dribbling around on the court and he looks like he's just trying to bust that ball in half when he's dribbling, you know, he's focused, you know, he's locked in. And and then when he's using those, those really strong hands and long arms, even for such a small guy, um, he can just rip balls right out of guys' hands. And the refs don't even like the guys don't even complain saying they were fouled. They know he just ripped the ball out of their hands. <laughs> that's Chris Paul at his best, and that's that's been fun to watch. Yeah, right. there's about uh, – I was Go just going to say, there's about three or four moments a game I just laugh at some of the stuff he does because it's just – like we're kind of used to it now, but it's just still so funny. Like when he gets switched on – like whenever there's a big on him and he just holds his ground or strips him, it's like Chris Paul for a small ball center. Why not? <laughs> Let's go back to Mikel Bridges. I'm sorry, I I I, I – digress there with Chris Paul um, after you brought up Mikel Bridges. Let's talk about Mikel Bridges' brilliance so far this year. He he does look like he should be first-team all-defense in the league. He's not quite at all-star level because he doesn't score quite enough. But, man, him and Devin Booker's connection on fast breaks has just been tremendous this year, hasn't it? Yeah, and the, with his stride length and just how long his arms are, like he's built to – like succeed in transition so that's one reason i think they need to try to push the ball as much as they can and i think chris knows that too <clears throat> he's just always in the right place too he's, he's really smart like that steal he got where he tapped it to Shamit and started running before Shamit even had the ball like that was just showing you his iq like he's always thinking ahead to the next play so um yeah i think that's one way where he can just get those easy buckets in transition to 
you know, just get easy points yeah. and get confidence, hopefully, for his three-point shot to fall. And the off-the-dribble stuff, too, has been really encouraging. Well, the key for him is not to just sit and wait for a good three-point shot to get yeah. himself going. He said that he admitted that last year during the playoffs. He said that he, he gets into a groove with this team where last year, at least, he knew he was a guy who was supposed to spot up and hit the threes after Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden were trying to work around in the paint. Uh, he'd be there for the kickout threes with Jay, him on one side, Jay on the other. That was his role. And he and he admitted that in the playoffs a couple of times he got stuck um, waiting for that open three before he would get himself going on other things on, on getting, you know, uh, cutting and all that stuff and making himself open for layups. Uh, so he knew he had to grow there. And this year it looks like he's growing there. Uh, he's getting out on the break for sure in transition. Um, I'm going to do this. I, I've been doing stats all day, but I haven't done this. Uh, the little, the little graphic that we've had for a little while. I'm going to bring you another stat. Stat me. Twice just to catch up. Um, so <clears throat> where are the Suns in pace this year after being 24th last year, Zona? I'm going to guess uh, fourth. During this streak, they're second in pace. Overall for the season, I believe you're right that they're fourth. Uh, yeah. But during this streak, they are second in pace. And uh, it's, it's just crazy to think that a Chris Paul team and Monty Williams teams – uh, both of uh, both of those guys are famous for playing really, really slow. Monty Williams always back with the Pelicans way back when. I don't think you can even count it anymore, but obviously um, it, it, that is his only prior head coaching experience. The Suns were uh, toward the bottom. In his first two years coaching the Suns, they were toward the bottom in pace. Chris Paul always been toward the bottom of the pace. Why do you think, how is it that the Suns are second in pace this year? Do you know? I think it's because they need to be. Uh, I think Chris understands that their strengths are in transition. Their strengths are pushing the ball. And even though, you know, he's the old grizzled vet, like, you know, this team is so young. They're, they're at their best when they're attacking, especially Booker and Mikel, I think, are amazing in transition. And when DeAndre runs the floor, like we saw that uh, dunk against the Knicks where he just ran the floor and there's nothing they could do about it. Um, Cam Johnson's been awesome in transition, too, and he'll just throw out those dunks out of nowhere where it's just like, damn and uh yeah i think just chris knowing his personnel and knowing that they're gonna have to run for them to be successful and uh you know especially it's a lot easier to do in the regular season too but in the playoffs i think that was one of their their biggest downfalls is just playing too slow sometimes absolutely i think what they've done is they've looked at last year's playoffs and they they said what where did we come up short in last year's playoffs one of the ways they came up short was that their offense struggled to get easy points uh and the easiest way you can get points in the league is in transition. It doesn't matter. The worst teams in the league, the best teams in the league, they're all better on points per possession when they're in transition. That's just that's just it because you have less of a defensive focus um, happening and scheming against you because everything is chaos on transition. The Suns were one of the slowest teams in the league, so when their, when their half-court offense got bogged down a little bit in the playoffs, they didn't have any easy outlets for points. Now they're doing it. Um, they aren't leading the, they are not leading the league in fast break points or transition points or anything, but they're in the top half and they're in the top 10 or so on transition points, um, per game. They're really also speeding up in the half court 
Uh, they're not taking as much time to kill the clock. One of the things is Chris Paul isn't rolling the ball to half court, you know. And, um, well, actually, that doesn't count against the uh, time of possession. But when he just dribbles slowly, no matter how whether a guy's playing in full court defense or waiting at half court, Chris Paul would always just walk the ball up and kill seven and a half seconds, as Wax Monkey says um, in the chat would kill seven and a half seconds right there. He's not doing that as much this year, but also they're not making as many passes. The Suns last year um, um, averaged um, dozens more. I can't remember exactly the stat right now, but dozens more passes per game. This year, they're a lot more economical. I mentioned earlier in the show uh, that both Chris Paul and Devin Booker lead the league, um, one and two in the league and in assists per pass. Last year, they would pass more and get more to good to great paint to great, things like that. The Suns are getting faster shots this year. Uh, and that's important uh, for for them to, to be able to get those easy points because a defense gets more set the more seconds get off run get run off on the clock. So uh, the Suns, yeah, being being top five in pace is actually key to them being a little bit better, getting a two to four to six extra points in a game in, in transition that they were not getting last year in the playoffs. Suddenly they become one of the best offenses in the playoffs. And, uh, and last year they did struggle offensively in the playoffs. They, they got to the finals with their defense, not with their offense. Yeah. And I think Mikel just being that third score is going to be huge too. Like if he can, uh, once the streak is over and maybe they could like mess around with some stuff a little bit, like I'd love to see them run more pick and rolls for him and try to maybe, you know, go out of their way to get creation reps for him just to build that confidence. And, uh, because, Last year, just having that, you know, third perimeter scoring threat was just kind of what, you know, hit them in the ass against the Bucks. So uh, mm-hmm. if they can get Mikel to get more confident offensively and hit those pull-up jumpers or just attack the rim more often, like it's just going to open up so much more stuff. But yeah, overall, they've just been a well-oiled machine offensively. It's been fun to watch. There's They just play within the flow of the offense. No one's really forcing anything. So um, the only time is like whenever, whenever the shot clock runs low and Booker Paul has to hit a tough shot. They usually do uh, in the mid range, so it's a nice like luxury to have as a bailout option. Yeah, so you were around on speaking of uh, bridges a little bit. The guys in the chat are going back and forth on bridges, uh, how close he is to a Sean Marion type. Uh, you you remember Sean Marion in his prime, I'm sure, uh, during the seven seconds or less part of the part of the program here with the yeah. franchise. Um, Sean Marion. The great thing about Sean Marion is. is I would say that offensively, Mikel is better than Sean Mary. And I say that only, obviously, Sean Marion scored more points per game. So that sounds weird to say that Mikel might be better offensively than Sean Marion. But Sean Marion really struggled from three. He's got a ton of shots. Sean Marion got more shots in that offense than because Steve Nash would intentionally not shoot um, uh, very often in those games and Sean Marion got more shot attempts. So he averaged 18 to 20 points a game, but Mikel is more talented offensively. Sean Marion is just a higher flyer. he made more dunks in a game, uh, than, uh, than Mikel does. Even, even so as you're watching Mikel scoring a lot this year, a lot better this year. And Mikel is a much better three point shooter, man. If, if, uh, Sean Marion had Mikel's three point shot, uh, he would have been, he was already an all-star every year anyway, but uh, he would have been just that much more dangerous and the Suns would have been that much more dangerous. Where Sean and, and both are very good defenders on the perimeter. 
the reason the Suns even even were su- as successful as they were with guys like Amari Stoudemire and Steve Nash in their lineup defensively challenged, uh, to say the least, is that Sean Marion and Roger Bell really held them up defensively. They covered everybody's mistakes, and that's what Mikel does. Mikel covers everybody's mistakes. So in those senses, Mikel is equal to or better than Sean Marion. Where Sean Marion separates himself is on rebounding. Sean Marion was a career I'm not exactly sure what his career rebounds per game what were, but he was always a double-digit rebound guy, and that was absolutely necessary for the seven seconds or less Suns to be successful because they needed Marion. Basically, Marion played the four a lot, and Mamari played the five a lot. Yeah, they had Mark West going out there. It's kind of like today's Anthony Davis where Amari just did not want to play center. And so they had a Mark West or even a Jaron Collins, if you guys remember. Um, and uh, and um, uh, they had Jaron. Sorry, I was reacting to a comment by Charles. I'll get back to you in a second, Charles. Um, the the uh, Jaron Collins guys and and uh, oh Earl Barron and guys like that. Uh, Mari did not want to play center. But he would play center in the key moments, and Sean Marion would play power forward, and they needed Sean Marion's rebounding because Amari was not a great rebounder. So I, I kind of talked around about that. But basically, Mikel is a better shooter. They're both really good on offense overall. They're very, very, very good in transition. Mikel is improving in transition for sure, being that finisher. <clears throat> and um, um, they're both really good at perimeter defense. But Marion really, really killed Mikel in rebounding. Mikel still only gets about four rebounds a game, even though he gets a lot of opportunities. He's just not a rebounder. Uh, do we love them both? Yes. But why was Sean Marion an all-star over uh, Mikel Bridges, even though they're both playing on great teams, is that Sean Marion rebounded like crazy. That's yeah, crazy. and along with that, he also shot close to 20 attempts, like field goal attempts per game. Um, like you said, Nash was looking to get everyone else involved and they didn't really have like a, a booker on that team where, you know, most of the offense is going to go through him. Uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, I love Marion. He was one of my favorite players and like the seven seconds or less on this team. It doesn't work without him. Uh, I thought he was just the unsung hero for so long and eventually he got sour about that. And uh, there's similarities in Mikel being like that unsung hero for this team and really what makes them click. But Minus the ego, and I think obviously he doesn't get as many shot attempts. Uh, like you said, he's a better shooter, and like who'd rather have on this Suns team, like Marion or Bridges? I think it's to me it's, it's Mikael, just because of uh, the, the three point shooting and just how valuable he is at doing the things I think they need. Um, but that's no knock on Marion; he, he'd be an awesome addition to this team too. And I think he was a little bit ahead of his time, like guys like him and like. Lamar Odom, just yeah, dudes that could probably play some small ball five in today's game. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a good comparison. It's one that I think will always stick for that third guy is like the the glue guy in a sense. So, uh, well, that's a huge testament to Mikel to now be uh, in a conversation that puts him uh, close to a level, if not at the level of Sean Marion. I think that's great. Uh, yeah. In the past, I never would have made that. Um, that comparison because Sean Marion, I think people forget how great Sean Marion really was yeah. um, because it's been 15 years since he played uh, for the Suns, but he was really, really incredible. Would I trade him straight up uh, prime Sean Marion for Mikel Bridges? You know, I still might, I probably will. 
Um, I probably, yeah, I think I would. Um, yeah, if, 27 if, year old Marion was, his numbers were insane. Yeah. So I would, I would definitely still trade them up straight up, but Mikel is the guy that I really want on this team long-term. And, and it's great that the Suns um, have, you know, have him under contract for the next five years, including this one, because he's still under rookie contract for this year, then the four-year extension. So that's, that's pretty incredible, but uh, it's a big testament to him that we're still talking about him as potentially being um, on that level real quick. I want to mention Charles. Yes. Uh, you J Dave, you laughed when I said we were going to win 20 in a row last live stream. Anytime you suggest a team can win 20 in a row, I'm going to laugh. It's just, I'm still going to laugh. I'm going to laugh in joy if they actually do it because I laugh a lot. I'm a laugher. Uh, so thank you for making that prediction. Um, if that was the first and ever only time you ever made that prediction for the Suns and you get it right, then uh, you win a prize. Uh, you get the prize of me um, not laughing at one of your next predictions. You tell me which one it is, and I won't laugh at it. All right, now let's move on to looking forward. Uh, we're about 42 minutes in, and we have not mentioned the Tuesday game yet. The Suns, three times in the next 28 days, including twice in the next five days, Suns play the best team currently in the Western Conference at 17 and 2 right now, the Golden State Warriors. Have you watched much Golden State this year? Yeah, I have. They've they've been really impressive. Um, you know, I was a little bit skeptical heading into the season with how high some people were, but you know, they're both sides of the floor, they're they look like the Suns do, honestly. Just a really well-oiled machine that executes. So that's why I think you know, for a Christmas day game too, like that's such a good choice. It's just going to be like pure basketball um, should be exciting. And it kind of sucks that the second time they play will be, you know, the second of a back-to-back -back for the Suns. So, you know, I'm hoping they can, they can take care of business on Tuesday and then, you know, get that, that win against Detroit, set the record. And then, and then from there, it's like, all right, second of back-to-back, -back. the streak ends here, you know, so be it. But yeah, it's Golden State's looked really impressive overall. All right, I'm going to have to laugh at another uh, chatter's comment, and I'm going to put it up on the screen here. Uh, Splash God says that Aiden is getting played off the floor. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. In fact, I'm, I'm going to predict Aiden gets almost a 2020 game in this. He, is, he, he keys up for big games. He really keys up for big games. He shows he, he did not play well in the New York games, um, but he's definitely going to key up for this one. And I predict Aiden gets close to a 2020 in that game. And he's one of the biggest reasons the Suns win if they're going to going to win. Aiden doesn't get played off the floor. He sometimes doesn't show up like uh, uh, intensity wise and in getting himself open for roles and all that. But he's not going to get played off that floor. I think that's fun. That's funny to make that comment. We'll see. But anyway, yes. So the Warriors have just looked really, really good for those who've watched a little bit of Warriors or a lot of bit of Warriors. I don't know who, if, which ones you are the Warriors for all the accolades that the Suns are getting so far this year, the Warriors are getting more and they deserve it because they're playing so well. Um, <clears throat> this season, their passing is just incredible. They're a team that passes a lot more than the Suns in every possession. And every one of those passes are with intent. They have passed. They 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 probably have the most hockey assists in the league, which is setting up, making passes to set up assists. It's incredible watching these guys play. They're very fun. The Suns are going to have a very tough time against them. 
where the Suns can do well, obviously, is just having a, a, a better overall deeper team than the Warriors. The Warriors are playing well. Uh, but man, I'd rather have Mikel Bridges than Andrew Wiggins, for example. Right. You know, I'd rather have in some ways, I'd rather have DeAndre Ayton than Draymond Green. Sure. Draymond Green is one of the best players in the league um, when he's on, but he's really, really only good on the defensive end. He's not really good on the offensive end. DeAndre Ayton can be both. There's really only one guy on Golden State I'd rather have than who the Suns have. And that's Steph Curry. Can Steph Curry lead the Warriors to wins um, two out of these next three, three out of these next three against the Suns in the next 28 days? Maybe. He's that good. Maybe. But as Blaze says, you put Mikel on Curry and let's see what happens. You know, um, <clears throat> let's see how it goes. You put you put um, <clears throat> Draymond Green in, in the post against DeAndre Ayton. He's going to have to foul Ayton. He's not big enough to uh to to stop Aiton from scoring. He might be able to knock Aiton off of his off his position a couple of the times, but if Aiton's really focused, uh Draymond can do this. Um I, I just think Steph Curry, if he scores 50, the Golden State might win. But I don't see personally, I don't see the Golden State Warriors winning a game where Steph Curry scores less than 35. Um, what do you think though? Yeah, I think it's just going to come down to, you know, no no one person can guard Steph. It's a team effort. So I think the Suns are built as a team to kind of slow him down at least, especially with all the switching they're capable of doing. And like you said, DeAndre doesn't really get played off the floor. He can guard on an island. Like, obviously, you don't want him guarding Steph, but you don't want anyone guarding Steph really outside of like Mikel or maybe Chris. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's just going to be a battle of team basketball. They, they both share the ball. And uh, I kind of disagree with the fact that Steph would have to score like, you know, 35 plus because we've seen they beat good teams with, uh, you know, Jordan Poole stepping up or Wiggins stepping up, stuff like that, just because of teams over committing to Steph. So I think you're fine with him having like kind of what Kevin Durant did last night where he scored 39 and, you know, the, the Nets were still not able to win. I think a similar approach to where no one else is getting anything going. It's just Steph, but you're still doing your best to contain him, like making him earn those points. That's probably the best way to beat them. Um, when they're moving the ball around like crazy, like we've seen the Suns kind of do that in the past where everyone's involved. That's when they're, they're the toughest to beat. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, good test for both teams because, you know, to me, these are the clear top dogs in the West and, you know, possibly the league right now. So should be a great one. Um, so Greg puts something in the chat that I thought is worth us talking about. Greg G puts in Booker and Mikel will be on Curry. So this is a big question for you. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to throw over to you, Zona. Yeah. <clears throat> Would you put Mikel on Curry to try to contain Curry? Or That's... would you put Booker on Curry um, and let Curry cook, but use Mikel uh, to, to, uh, uh, get in the passing lanes and and uh, get some steals and, and kill their passing. That's tough because um, whoever guards Curry, like starts on Curry, typically isn't the one contesting his shots with how like many actions they All run the switching they do. Yeah, yeah, so there could be a point where it makes more sense to put Mikel on maybe even Draymond just with their little two-man game where, you know, their goal is to get the big to switch out. Yeah. Uh, if you have Mikel on that, just completely blowing that play up, then that could be a smart way to kind of neutralize that. Um, but yeah, I think it's tough because Mikel can fight around screens probably better than anyone. 
and I don't know. It's it's. I would probably do a little bit of both to see which what what's working. And if Mikel's struggling to stay on him, or they're just getting stuff off of Mikel over and over, then maybe try using uh, bridges off the ball. Yeah, I didn't mean to uh, imply that that the Suns could just decide who's going to defend Curry all the time. And that I, obviously that's not true. The Suns do intentionally switch everything on defense, no matter who the opponent is. The um, the Golden State Warriors are kings of, and I don't mean kings, I mean kings of getting teams to switch their or whatever defender they want onto Curry. Curry is great at running a uh, so good off ball. He can literally run through two or three different screens and create a screen of his own to switch the to get defenders um, off balance. <clears throat> We're going to see DeAndre Ayton on an island against Curry a lot in that game. And the question is whether DeAndre Ayton can um, can not embarrass himself defensively against Curry. I see Curry pulling up from 30 against Ayton a lot because Ayton's not going to want to put his feet outside the three-point line defending Curry. He's going to stand near the three-point line, but he's not going to go that far out because he doesn't want Curry to drive past him and then create other passing option options or finishing options. Um, so I see Curry tossing up quick 30s against 30 footers against Aiton a few times in this game. The key is, can the Suns limit the number of times that Aiton is forced to do that? Because no team in the league wants their big to be defending Curry when Curry's got the ball 30 feet out. They just don't. So um, what what can the Suns do to, uh, to not allow the Warriors to put Aiton on Curry too often is a big key. And, and you guys are all right. The Suns don't get to decide if it's Booker or Mikel or whoever, but the Suns can scheme to have it more often be one of those guys. And I just mean more often when the Suns can, I think I would put someone like a Booker on Curry because a Booker's really good at on ball defense. He focuses better on on ball versus off ball defense and B Curry's going to score regardless so why not put your best um, steals guys, your best disruptors on the weak side, just like the Warriors do with Draymond. The Warriors put Steph on some of the be- uh, the other team's best scores whenever they can um, because, uh, because the other guys can get steals. And the Warriors, where the Suns are some of the best, one of the best teams in the league in the last 16 games, guess who is the best? The Warriors. They got the best defense. They've got the best this. They've got the best that. They're the best passing team. They're the best defending team. They're the best of all these things. The Warriors are really, really good um, because they know how to get their guys in the right spots defensively to be really, really good um, on both ends of the court, offensively and defensively. They can make you play their game. So the key is that on on Tuesday, the Suns are going to have to do enough of playing the Suns game um, and getting the Suns the right players on defense in the right positions uh, just to win. All they got to do is win one more possession than the Warriors do. Eh, maybe five or ten more possessions than the Warriors because the Warriors will get up more threes than the Suns will. Uh, the Warriors are, are they, they, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to beat the Warriors, but if the Suns can do it, then you know for sure the Suns are right there. Now, People who say, well, but the Warriors don't have Clay Thompson yet. That's absolutely true. They don't have Clay yet. They'll be better potentially with Clay if you've got the 2019 Clay back. Um, but the Warriors have won 16 of seven, or sorry, um, 13 of 14 in the last um, uh, 30 days without Clay. 
they're the best defense in the league. They're the best passing team in the league. They're the best scoring team in the league. They're the best of everything. They've got an almost 20-point differential in these last 14 games without Clay. So I don't want to hear anybody saying that Clay's going to make them better because they're better than they've been. I mean, this is better than their the the statistically so far. They're better than they were when they won 70 games. So um, I don't know how much better Clay can make them. I think this is a great test on Tuesday and Friday to see where the Suns are against these two teams. Um, it's going to be really, really fun. It's going to be a tough game. Don't expect the Suns to win by 20 points. If they do, it's going to be weird. And it's going to be crazy and not not sustainable, and they won't be able to do it two games in a row. I, there I said it. If the Suns win both games by 20 points, I was the hater. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. But um, what do you? How do you see Tuesday unfolding, uh, Zona? I've kind of kind of gone off on my own little rant. But how do you see Tuesday unfolding for the Suns? Uh, I think it's going to be a hell of a battle. These are the best two teams in the West. That you know, everyone's saying like they've had easy schedules, and that's what happens when the two best teams in the West haven't played each other yet. Like you're, you know, everyone else on your schedule is not going to be as, as you know good to put it simply. Uh, like looking back at Suns teams in the past, we always thought like, oh, we have such a tough schedule. It's like, no, we just suck. And there's no one worse than us to play. So it's, it's true in the reverse now where, you know, people look at the Suns schedule, like, oh, they haven't played anyone yet. And like the same with the Warriors, Warriors fans I've seen get pretty upset about people uh, saying that as well. So now they're playing each other. So I think this will be a mutual, mutually beneficial uh, relationship as far as like finally getting someone (laughs) on your schedule. Uh, Yeah. I think, it's going to come down to DeAndre. I think he's an X factor. He's, I've said before, kind of like a cheat code against the Warriors team. So uh, he he's breaks small ball whenever he plays the way we know he can. So if we get an engaged DeAndre, and I think the Suns can will win the game. Uh, if we don't, uh, it's, they're going to pretty much it's going to be relying on threes falling stuff like that. So uh, you know, I think the Suns will take Tuesday. I think they'll win uh, again on on Wednesday, and then. On Friday is the game that I'm concerned about. I think uh, it's going to be a split. I'm going to go two and one. I know you didn't ask about that going. That yeah, far we'll, ahead. we'll get to that. So let's. This is good transition. Good yeah. transition. So you think? Okay. So in the next five days before our next broadcast, excuse me. Uh, uh, the Suns have three games. They have Golden State um, sandwiching a uh, Detroit Pistons game. So. I, I think we can both predict the Suns are going to win the Pistons game. Uh, you think they're going to split the two Golden State games? Yep, I think they win Tuesday um, at home. You know, the whole, the crowd's going to be into it, hyped up game. It's going to feel like a playoff game, I think, and they feed off that. Um, and like I said, the Warriors haven't really been tested either, just like the Suns, but the Suns are coming off like the, the New York road trip. So I think uh, trying to protect their win streak. So I think there's – Definitely a lot more at stake for them as far as staying locked in. But the Warriors also want to make a statement win too and break the streak. So um, it's just awesome because it's kind of like there's a lot of similarities between when Golden State first took that leap, like we're seeing with the Suns now. Uh, and now the Warriors are like the team that's been there and done that, and they're kind of revived a little bit. So I think it's just going to be an awesome uh, you know, battle of like the youth first, like the experience type thing, even though we have Chris Paul, obviously. But uh, just seeing like this this team that plays team basketball uh, with their stars and, and plays the right way, get this far, going against a team that kind of started that and maybe took some notes from the seven seconds or less Suns team. Uh, it's just kind of come full circle. So it's just, it's going to be awesome. 
It is going to be awesome. I think it's going to be really fun. I'm one of those guys who looks at like <clears throat> the mental makeup of a team and what, how likely they are to, to win a game based on the kind of mood they're in. Like if they, if you think you've got a win in the bag, I think you're more likely to lose, um, you know, your first game back from a long road trip, a successful road trip than if you don't think you've got the win in the bag. So I actually think the Suns are going to be more focused against Golden State than they would have if it was Detroit the first game home after the road trip. Yeah. Um, not that they would lose to Detroit. I'm just saying they'll be more focused. They'll be more hyped. And they're going to need that. They're going to need to play their best basketball against Golden State on Tuesday. And then Friday, if you win on Tuesday, then Friday is just you know icing on the cake, right? It's It's a freebie. You can lose Friday. It's totally fine to lose Friday if you've already won Tuesday. If you win Tuesday, it's a got to win on Friday, and then that makes it a little bit iffy. Um, we'll talk on Saturday morning about what, what happens if the Suns go 0-2 against the Warriors this week. Does it even mean anything? And I, I predict right now that I'm going to say it didn't mean anything because it's only re regular season. <laughs> so but, you're predicting 0-2? No, 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 no. I'm not <laughs> predicting that at all. Oh, and by the way, uh, we've gone through this entire hour without giving Damon his props for last week. He predicted a 5-0 and week Yep. because we knew we were not going to record on Saturday, and he was right with 5-0. and I think you predicted 4-1, and and I think I predicted 4-1. and Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Damon, big props to you. I hope you're still listening. I know you were here at the beginning of the hour. Um, this week... I'm going to predict two and one as well. Zona, you're predicting two and one. I think we're both just being conservative, saying it's going to be really tough to sweep Golden State. Yeah. The and, last three weeks, I've said, like, I think it was like three and one, then four and one. So I'm just going to keep going with the, the one, you know, stay humble and hopefully get proven wrong. Just got to keep the tradition going. Yep. So we're going to go uh, two and one. I'm going to post a comment in the chat uh, on both uh, Facebook and YouTube to see what everyone else thinks. Um, Rao did predict 5-0 as well this past week, and we already talked about Charles thinking they were going to get to a 20-game streak, so obviously he predicted 5-0. Um, so I think uh, um, this week it's three games, and two of those are Golden State. Charles is now predicting 3-0 because he thinks his 20-game streak is still live, and I – I don't doubt that he that he should think that. Fallen founder predicts two and one. Blaze three and zero. Oh. Uh, Fabio two and one. We lose to Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> that is possible. That's quite that would possible. Be something. Yep. Uh, Rick Johnson three and zero. Oh. Richie Mariotti three and zero. Oh. Joselito Lopez two and one. Uh, Nicholas Blackiston. Uh, we got uh, uh, two and one split with Golden State. Uh, Joselito says 18 game win streak by the time we're back on here. Ooh, wait a minute. Joselito, if you predict two and one, that means you think they lose on Friday night and the eight and the win streak ends at 18. When we record again, Zona, it's going to be 19 games. I don't think they're going to still be nine. They're not going to be 19 and zero on that streak. Sorry guys. I'm a negative Nelly. I'm a guy who, who, actually um, is more reasonable. It's unreasonable to assume a 19-game streak. Um, Especially to considering they're playing, you know, the best team in the league right now in two of those three games. So that's yeah, that changes the conversation. If it was like the Pistons, like, <clears throat> you know, Magic and, you know, Mavericks or some something like that, then I would say 3-0, yeah. but it's not. So, 
Who do you predict is the unsung hero of the week? Now, who we've talked about on this show so far has been Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, and um, DeAndre Aiden a little bit, but he was kind of just there this past week. Who do you think is going to be the the best non of those four? Best player that's not those four? Um, I was going to shoot my shot and say campaign has a huge game against the Warriors at home. Uh, seems like every big game in the playoffs, just feeding off the crowd, he's stepped up. So um, I'm going to say we're going to get one of those classic campaign energy games where he's just hitting pull-up threes, you know, driving to the rim and throwing it, you know, 10 feet in the air and just, you know, falling in. So I'm going to go with campaign. He's going to be the reason they win on Tuesday. All right. You're picking campaign as the unsung hero of the week. Folks, why don't you put in the chat? Who do you think is going to be the best player of the week? Um, uh, Rick Johnson says it is Aiton's week, and we only kind of marginally mentioned him, so I'll give you credit for that, Rick. Um, Nick Nichols Blackson says pain. Um, Rick Johnson says or campaign if it's not Aiton. That's fine. Uh, Wax Monkey says dual overhead cams. <laughs> so, all right, campaign and Cam Johnson having big weeks. Um, Heshan Tabak says uh, Shamit against the Warriors, Rick Johnson. Also, man, Rick, I think you're going through the whole roster right now, Rick. So Shamit could be big as well. <laughs> I'm hoping everybody has a great week. Let's, let's just say it. Um, but earlier in the chat, and I don't um, have the, the comment up right now, but somebody said JaVale McGee is going to have a big week. I think JaVale has been great this past couple last past few weeks he's been really really great and he's going to continue to be really good javel has two championship rings with the warriors of their three that they won in that five game five-year stretch javel was with them for two of those um will javel have a big game this week yeah will he have two or three big games sure i think they've got a great chance uh for javel mcgee to be the the big uh non-starter hero in the in for the week this this week so um, either way, no matter what, I love it that the Suns have a lot of options and a lot of guys who have proven themselves as being able to step up for big games uh, when needed. Could be any of those guys. We mentioned the entire bench already. Uh, somebody asked, what's the status on Frank? Um, Frank, there's nothing positive about Frank. Um, he's got a stress reaction in his knee. Those things don't heal very fast. So uh, don't expect to see Frank again for a while. The Suns need Aiton and JaVale to play all those center minutes going forward um, until uh, you know Frank is able to come back. Um, and those are the two perfect guys to play against the Warriors, I think, this week anyway. So really, it's going to be a big week for these guys, for the Suns. When we come back next week, uh, next Saturday morning, you guys are going to join us. We're going to hopefully, hopefully be talking about a 19-game win streak. But at, at the least, we're hoping we're, we're going to be uh, proud of a 2 and one week for the Suns when they play the Golden State Warriors two of those three games. So, <laughs> yeah, Blaze, there's nothing positive about Frank. There's a lot positive about Frank, just nothing news-wise, injury-wise this, <laughs> this past week. I feel bad for him. He has his best week, best game of his life, and he comes back with a stress fracture. So, yeah, um, uh, no, I don't hope – I really don't hope – that we that we get a lot of Nader minutes, um, Rick. Uh, no, I don't want to see uh, Abdel Nader this week at all. Please, let's just go with a nice tight nine game rotation, nine nine player rotation that just has the two cams and Shamit and uh, Javale coming off the bench this week. That's what I want to see. All right, folks, I really appreciate you. I want to have a couple of public service announcements right now. 
Uh, please, if you don't mind, uh, if you've got $11 to spare, I would really appreciate it if you would make a donation to Brightside Night. That's coming up uh, in the uh, February 16th. They're gonna, the Suns are going to be playing the Houston Rockets. Uh, every $11 you donate sends another first responder or healthcare hero to the game uh, on February 16th. And uh, last year, last time we did this, last year we were off because of the pandemic. The last time we did this, we spent 4400 uh, We sent 4400 people to the game. That was kids. Uh, this year we're going to focus on first responders and healthcare heroes. Let's get some people to those games. I put the, I put the link in the chat. It's really simple suns.com slash brightside make a donation and uh and and put a smile on people's faces that need it so um we'll see y'all we'll see y'all next time uh next saturday morning zona tell us where they can find you around the interwebs yeah just at zona hoops underscore on twitter um you can find our work at brightside of the sun and zonahoops.com and yeah everyone go to you know suns.com slash brightside for a great cause uh, you know, let's run up the numbers on that and I'll see you guys next week. All right. You can find me. My name is Dave King. My Twitter handle is at Dave King NBA. You can see my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. And I'm sure we'll put up a midweek. Uh, we missed last week because of the holiday, but we'll put up a midweek pod. Make sure you subscribe to the audio feed of this podcast, Sun Solar Panel. You can find out any of your podcast app apps hit that subscribe button so you get notified when we do midweek um, interviews uh, and uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon love y'all thank you for being here